Hello, my name is Anna, and if you're into scary stories and creepy real-life happenings, then I think you will love my podcast. Let me tell you a scary story. Join me every week as I read to you stories of the paranormal that actually happen to ordinary people. These are things that can't be explained and don't always make much sense, and they are sure to intrigue and to give you the shivers. So join me on your favourite podcast listening platform and let me tell you a scary story. Welcome to State of Fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. Welcome to State of Fear, episode 43, Tennessee. Today we discuss Oklahoma pushing for a Bigfoot season. Then we get into another double feature, the White Bluff Screamer and the Wolfman of Borneo. Fantastic. I'm Chris and joining me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend, James Houston Bishop. What's up, man? How you doing, everybody? And what's going on, my brother? How you been? Doing good, man. Doing good. Excited to get into today's story. Uh, excited to hear about this uh, new story that's been all over the internets this past week. So, uh, how, how you yeah, doing? Yeah, I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm looking forward to getting back out that way, getting back in the studio with you. Hopefully, not too more of these. Yeah, too many more of these remote deals here. So, uh, get in there. Hopefully we not. can yeah, uh, uh... drink drink some tea, watch some crappy movies, do some. Uh, do some record about some cool stuff. Just have some general fun. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I don't. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm starting to see light in the tunnel, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. You know. Indeed, sir. By the way, I just want to remind everybody that we do have a new segment um on the show called Stoplight Stories. Uh, they're quick little, I guess you call them vignettes, um, little little episodes that are usually about two minutes, um. And uh, they're they're just on different stories that I have read or heard about over the past decades that uh, aren't long enough to make an episode, but still really cool uh, stories that I've read or heard that I wanted to get out there. So uh, they are really fantastic little tidbits. I mean, even for a minute, minute and a half or something, they're actually very riveting, and the stories are extraordinarily cool. Yeah, and uh, and that's kind of annoying because I'm, I really want to would like to find out more about them but there's nothing else about them out there to find it's just just that information that that's uh presented in the uh the episode but there's nine of them right now so you know they're available 
anywhere the podcast is. So go check them out. Um, and if you have any suggestions to uh, for stoplight stories, email them to us at uh, stateoffearpodcast.gmail.com. Don't forget, go outside the Patreon. Yep. Go to patreon.com yep. backslash state of fear. Yep. Uh, you, you can get uh, all those there. All the stoplight stories are, are there as well. It's just that they're there as ad free versions. So you don't have to worry about ads or anything. Yeah. Same with all the episodes are all there ad free as well as some bonus stuff that we put on there that we don't put anywhere else. So go check that out. And uh, if you want, you know, feel free to donate. It's uh, it's appreciated. And we also have our state of fear podcast hotline. We now have established a hotline. Yes, we got us a hotline now. If you'd like to have a creepy story or something that you'd like to share, call us and leave us a voicemail, and we'll be glad to play it on the show on a future episode, of course. Uh, The number is 713-581-4551. It's real simple. Just call us. Uh, If you want to, you can include your name, the place, and the approximate date. You know, stuff like that. And just give us about uh, anywhere from five to ten minutes, maybe a couple minutes of, you know, whatever you've got. Just let us hear your uh, story. We'd love to show it and we'd love to share it. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and let's go ahead and push on through because I really want to hear about this story because I've seen the headlines all over the place, but I have not read it for myself. <laughs> so uh, what do you say get into your weird news of the day? Amen. Let's do it. Okay, today we have a story entitled, Oklahoma Representative Proposes Bigfoot Hunting Season. Now, this uh, article was written on January 27th of 2021 uh, by a Mr. Matthew Clark. Yeah, seems pretty interesting. A Bigfoot hunting season. <laughs> Sign well, me up. Well, people have been doing it for decades anyway, centuries probably, uh, but now they're going to make it legal. Just this more, is pretty cool. Another way for them to get more money out to people. Well, let me get into it here. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or Yeti, the mythical creature has stories from coast to coast and even across continents. Although most will tell you that they don't believe in Bigfoot, there are some believers in this giant ape-like creatures, myself included. You know, even though no hard evidence has been brought forth to validate the beast's existence, save for some blurry photos and eyewitness testimony. An Oklahoma lawmaker is seeking to create a Bigfoot hunting season. And I'm sorry, all I hear is, <laughs> be very, very quiet. I'm hunting Bigfoots. Uh. <laughs> State Representative Justin Humphrey introduced a bill to the Oklahoma legislature earlier this month that will establish a Bigfoot hunting season with rules and regulations to be enforced by the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission, the ODWC, that is, if passed. There will also be specific hunting licenses and fees required to go with this proposed Bigfoot hunting season. Of course, there's fees. Of course. 
Humphrey said he does not want people to kill Bigfoot, but to trap the creature and to entice only trapping, there would be a $25,000 reward to the first person to trap the creature. Hell, I might even go try it. What the hell? Twenty-five grand, twenty-five grand. Oklahoma ain't that far. Nope. <laughs> Having a license and tag would give people a way to prove they participated in the hunt. Hey, look here. I got a Bigfoot license. <laughs> Check it out. Again, the overall goal is to get people to our area and enjoy the natural beauty and have a great time. And if they find Bigfoot while they're at it, well, hey, that's just an even bigger prize. It just sounds like a big festival is what it would be. So yeah, sounds really. cool enough. The hope is that by creating this legislation that there will be an increase in tourism to the state, quote-unquote, revenue. According to ABC News, Representative Humphrey's district of southeastern Oklahoma has an annual Bigfoot festival. Well, there you go. There's already one there. You already get everybody there. Why not pilfer them for some more dough? Conversely, a spokesman for the ODWC told television station KOCO hey, cuckoo, that the department uses only science-based research and does not recognize Bigfoot. Well, you know what? To your scientific, your research base and science, she didn't kiss my ass. Bigfoot is out there, and I hope he whoops your ass for saying that. Don't give me your logic and your facts and your yeah no kidding but that's the story i think that sounds cool man i think i uh i may actually venture up there on a weekend when they're doing that and participate just to say i did it (laughs) well i didn't know there was a bigfoot um festival up there so we need to go check that out for sure indeed i love bigfoot i know we have a bigfoot conference down here in in texas but uh i believe they're they're all over the place but you know what? i love being some bigfoot love me some Mm -hmm. bigfoot you know, um, I just I have this worry that now that they're going to have a uh, or propose a uh, hunting season to, to coincide with the uh, festival, I just imagine a bunch of drunk Oklahomans from the festival going out hunting. That's going to be scary. I picture a bunch of land land based idiots like you saw in the movie Jaws. Yeah, you know, all loading up in their boats and doing all kinds of dumb shit. So hopefully, if Was they it? if they do this, they'll do it safely. Nobody will get hurt. I mean, if it's just for quote-unquote trapping, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, Renfest, where everybody gets, like, smashed drunk and then hangs out in the forest, but this is, like, Renfest <laughs> for, like, Bigfoot, and they're all there at the festival getting drunk and partying, like, hunting season's open, let's go! Yeah, let's all dress like pirates and go hunt Bigfoot, Arg. You know, yeah. <laughs> or barbarians. A barbarian, yeah, barbarians would be more fitting. Is that's not yeah. like I said, it's a land based adventure here. All right, brother. Well, that's it. Let's uh, what do you say? We roll on into your good stuff. I want to hear this story you got. So today's story uh, is about Dixon County, Tennessee. Now, Dixon County is the home to White Bluff, a small town of about 3,000 people, and to the White Bluff Screamer. The White Bluff Screamer haunts the White Bluff area, often terrifying hikers and hunters who stumble upon it. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Now, he's a, he's a boogie man. <laughs> now, the legend of the White Bluff Screamer falls into two camps here. The first revolves around those in the area that believe it to be a spirit possibly akin to La Girona, the weeping woman. 
This stems from a story that takes place sometime in the 1920s, when a new young family built a home on land in White Bluff. Now, these newcomers consisted of a mother, a father, and their seven little kids. And the family believed the spot they built their house in to be the perfect spot to begin again with their family. Apparently not. <laughs> it did not take long for the family to recognize some strange going-ons about the farm, but their worst fears ignited into horror in the middle of the night. Uh-oh. That was when the screaming began. Every night, their world erupted into ungodly wailing and crying and screeching that would terrify the children and chill the parents deep in their bones. Good lord. Finally, as the story goes, the father became enraged with the violent night antics and took his gun into the woods in the middle of the night, yelling for and seeking this strange, screaming creature. As he rounded the property, he realized the sound was becoming louder, more shrill, more clear, and it wasn't one screamer at all. It was a whole crowd of them, and he hurried back towards home only to discover his greatest nightmare. Oh, Lord. When he found his family, what he found was his family, hacked to bits. Uh. Lots of parts strewn across the whole of his home. The home that was once a safe haven and a new beginning has suddenly become a terror in the space of a single night. Safe haven? They just moved there and they said it didn't take long. <laughs> I mean, damn. It's like, I mean, hey... Amityville, Poltergeist, it's, it's all there. You know, it's, it's classic cliche. <laughs> all there in black and white. There it is. That's right. And red. <laughs> now, some stories will mention that he saw a female-type figure in a white mist upon his return, with some saying she still haunts the area and will burn grass from wherever the white mist may appear. Wow. This version seems to have the most truth to it, according to White Bluff's unofficial historian, Tony England, who's quoted as saying, The house has fallen in, but it's still there. So apparently the house actually exists and you can go see it. Mm, damn. I don't know. <laughs> I'd go. I guess I would too, but yeah. Heck yeah, I'm gonna go see this find this white lady, see if she wants to burn something. Hell yeah. Now, the second camp of believers revolves around the cryptid angle, and it may be related to a creature seen just five miles away in Hall Springs, a.k.a. Werewolf Springs. Nice. I like it. Now, this legend begins in the 1860s when a circus train derailed on the boundary of Montgomery Bell State Park. Which <laughs> a is... circus train? <laughs> <laughs> Monkeys and, and dog-faced boys and freak show ladies and... Everything all on the loose, man. Holy oh, crap. Yeah. Now, among the usual acts the train carried, the train included two creatures known as the Wolfmen of Borneo. Oh, okay. These two were the only ones not recovered after the crash. Of course. <laughs> Shit. Otherwise, there'd be no legend, right? There'd be no legend. That's right. That's right. A few years later, a landowner and his hired hand were traveling down Highway 47 by wagon near Werewolf Springs. They suddenly found that they were being stalked by a wild creature. The faster they moved, the faster the creature moved. Eventually, they brought the wagon to a halt, and both men got out and ran in opposite directions, hoping to elude the creature. It's not very smart. That is very stupid. Yeah. Stick to the roads, well, lads. Stick to the roads. 
exactly. Well, bad luck and the creature followed the hired hand and he was never seen again. It also sounds like the the landowner just killed the hired hand it and does. blamed it on the creature to <laughs> cover his tracks. That's, I was just about to say that. It's okay, though, but hey, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll deal with it. The landowner stated he heard horrible screams followed by pleas from the hand, but his body was never found. Soon, a posse formed to find and kill the creature, probably armed with pitchforks and torches. Very cliche. A posse. Round up a posse, damn it. We got us a werewolf to catch. The men tracked it to a clearing near Werewolf Springs, which is where they decided to go the Jurassic Park route. Yeah, run out there in the wide open, right where they can see you. I love it. They tied a goat to a stake in the middle of the clearing and hid undercover. Well, did it work? All right. That's what I'm talking (laughs) about. They didn't have to wait long. Soon, a Sasquatch-like creature entered the clearing and went straight for the goat. The men jumped up and fired on the creature. They entered the clearing with their lanterns lit, hoping to find the creature dead. When they gathered, they found that not only had the creature and the goat disappeared, but so had two of the posse members. I don't know. I'm sitting here laughing. People are getting killed or vanishing and stuff like this, and I'm over here laughing. I don't want people to think I'm heartless. It's just sometimes some of these stories, just they just because of the, the fact that we love cryptids and, and the strange so much, sometimes it just makes me giggle the very nature of it because I can think of a bunch of musket-toting morons out there in a clear, let's get him, come on, you know. Just firing on anything that's large and, and then, hairy. And then two of them are gone because they probably got jumped by wolves or, or hauled yeah. off by a bear or some shit while they're crawling right. through the damn woods or some stupid shit. So yeah, that's funny, man. Eventually, a big game hunter came to town to attempt to slay the beast. He spent three nights in a cabin near Werewolf Springs, the first two of which were uneventful. However, on the third night, the creature found him. The hunter heard howls in the distance and looked out to see what appeared to be a creature, took aim, and fired. This only pissed the creature off more, and it made a break for the cabin. The creature broke through the cabin door, only to be met with gunfire, coming from the hunter who had taken position up in the rafters. So this fool climbed up into the rafters to get a... a, a this is, he went, he went Obi-Wan on, on, on Anakin. He's got the high ground. That is, this is fantastic. Once again, the bullets did nothing, and the creature attempted to reach the hunter, swiping and clawing at it. The hunter was down to his final two shots with his pistol when the sun began to rise, at which point the creature exited the cabin and fled into the woods. Oh, Lord. Before he turned back into a guy, right? Yeah. Pretty, well, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> I gotta go home. The wife's gonna be up soon. That's it. Yep. Now, local teacher Sam Brown grew up hearing about the legend in the 1960s. He worked for the park for 23 years. He claims to have actually found the cabin where the hunter fought the beast off while hiking the area as a Boy Scout at 12 years old. Later in life, he returned to the trail and found the abandoned cabin again, and he stated the cabin had collapsed and the only standing structure was the outhouse. Again, another another structure we can go visit that apparently still actually exists. So. Yep, hey, and we can take a dump if we have to. You know, if the outhouse is still there, we can do our business. We'll take a big old number of brown. So, That's um, right. The beast was also rumored to have lived in a cave in Creech Hollow, which is three miles from Werewolf Springs. There's an account of a little girl disappearing while fetching water from Hall Springs. Claims that while she was never found, human and animal bones were found in the caves. 
Unfortunately, the caves now reside at the bottom of Creech Hollow Lake. Creech Hollow. It's always Creech Hollow or Critter Hollow or Dead Man's Holler or some shit it's like that. It's never like Sunshine Bridge or like... Exactly. You know. It's always some gloom and doom shit, but yeah. that's usually labeled by some storytelling or folklore spreading fool. Yeah, it's never, it's never happy-go-lucky frog pond or anything like that. You know? <laughs> nope. Now, in recent years, screaming has been reported in the area. Reporter Josh Arntz of the Dixon Herald wrote an article about the legend of Werewolf Springs in 2011. That article ends with a report from a local teacher who heard, quote, the most blood-curdling scream, quote, from a wild animal at about 1 a.m. near the park inn on Lake Acorn. Huh. The teacher also reported to have heard, quote, plenty of eerie sounds while walking through the park's woods at night, end quote. Okay, we'll stop walking through the damn woods at night. That's exactly what I was going to say. Why the hell are you walking through there at night? You know, yeah. that's that's like prime time for your ass. You know, that's you don't go through the woods in the middle of the night. You know, that's it's pretty now, stupid. Unless you're, unless you're with somebody. Maybe the f- you know. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, but at least it didn't work out for those two posse members. You know, they were with a group, and they were armed, and still two of them still vanished. So I guess it don't matter one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, after the third time, if I keep hearing eerie sounds, then I'm not going to walk into the woods at night anymore. <laughs> I'll be like, you know, I think I'll burn the house down and move. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to leave, you know. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Modern day drivers and walkers have also had experiences with the strange creature. They all describe the same type of beast. It's usually hunched over, but can stand completely erect if necessary. Often it is found hunting or discovered after the deaths of dogs or calves. Now... Let's go over two accounts found on AmericanGhostStories.com. Occurrence 1. There was a man who lived on Taylortown Road. He'd gone deer hunting earlier in the day and had killed a nice buck. He had gutted him and had him hanging high from a large tree in the back of his home. The guts had been placed in a wash tub and was sitting out near the woods to be disposed of later. That night was rather cool and the man was restless. He grabbed his guitar and was sitting out of his front porch strumming quietly. He was known in the area for having some excellent coon dogs. He had them pinned up behind his house as well. As he sat quietly playing the guitar, an uneasy feeling came over him. Something was wrong, but he couldn't place what it was. He felt a disturbance in the falls. He did. He's yep. he's a Sith problem. See, country people got the forest too now. Oh yeah, they're, they're one with nature. Yes, they are. He stopped playing and just sat listening. He realized that there was no sound other than his breathing. The frogs and crickets and all the night creatures had stopped moving. There was dead <laughs> silence. I, uh, I have actually been in situations like that, and it's it's actually kind of bone chilling. All of a sudden, yeah. all the creatures just everything just shuts the hell up because mm-hmm. something's in the area. You're like the hell, and especially like, okay. if you're like. If you're not near a shelter, like this guy, at least he's in his cat by his cabin. But like, if you're mm-hmm. out camping and you're like way away from everything, and it goes quiet like that, you're like, oh shit, you know. So and, I get it. trouble. I get it. Yep. Suddenly, the dogs came running from around the back of the house. This was strange because he knew they were locked up tight. There was no other way they could have gotten out. He laid his guitar beside him and started to get up. Upon further inspection, he saw that his hunting dogs had their tails tucked under their body. They were scared. They were hauling ass. Yeah, they was, mm-hmm. open the door, open the door, open the door, open the door. They Let went me... straight to the open that leads under the house. 
He looked in the direction of which they had come, and suddenly there appeared the most horrible thing he had ever seen. His ex-wife? <laughs> no. The street light illuminated a creature that was nearly as tall as a basketball goal. It had long, white, stringy hair. No sooner had he seen it than it let out a cry like a baby that grew in intensity. The hair on the back, on the back of his neck was standing on end. The scream was now a high pitch. The thing was after his dogs and was headed straight for him. Holy shit. He was frozen in fear. He tried to move, but his body wasn't able to move as if he was paralyzed. The white creature was moving toward him slowly at first. Then his greatest fear was realized. The creature stopped and looked straight at him. At this point, he knew if he didn't move, this thing would be on him in a matter of seconds. He could hear the creature as it leaped for the porch. It apparently hit the railing and stumbled, giving him time to get to the door. He's, he's, he's not hes not very Stupid, graceful, is he? clumsy-ass Bigfoot. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he pushed the door open and rushed inside. He could hear the hoofs strapping the wooden boards on the porch. The hooves? They had hooves. Crazy. Wait a minute. As a creature scrambled to get up. This is Bigfoot, but the thing's got hooves? Wait a minute. You know what it sounds like? Something like, sounds sounds like, like uh, sheep squatch. Sheep squatch, I was going to say. Holy crap. Yeah, it's got hooves. He was trying to close the door, but realized the rug was in the door and keeping it from closing. That's a horror story cliche right there. He kept pushing. The muscles in his body were trembling from the force he was using. All the while, the noise outside the door was getting closer. He took his foot and started pulling on the rug as he lessened the pressure he was putting on the door. The door finally closed and he clicked the lock. He had no more than turned the lock when the creature's claws started scraping across the wood. There was a small window on the top of the door. When he looked through it, he saw the creature was looking back at him. The screams he heard were rattling the glass in every window. The creature was trying to get in. All night long, it paced back and forth across the porch, stopping at windows, slashing the screens with its claws. The white creature had hooves on its hind legs and stood upright and walked around. I guess this moronic creature didn't realize it had the, if it was big enough and strong enough, it could kick a door, it could break a window, and get in. Yeah, I, I don't know. Apparently this thing is related to the aliens from Signs. So. Yeah, it reminds me of an old Bigfoot show I saw once where the lady is sitting there on the couch and all of a sudden this big hairy arm just comes through the window and I don't remember the name of the story. I think it was Sasquatch. It was called. It was just simply something like that. Because you could see the shadow come across the porch, and all of a sudden, this big ass hairy arm just goes right through the plate glass, just busts the windows and swiping at him and stuff. So sounds also like um, I think a scene from um, Legend of Boggy Creek. That's it. Yeah. Well, at least it's good to know that if you have screens on your doors, you're protected from these these how <laughs> these yeah. howling these howling hooved white white haired screaming creatures. So. Keep screens Bigfoot. on your windows, folks. Bigfoot's only weakness are screens. <laughs> it could also walk on all fours using its almost human-looking hands with razor-sharp claws. The eyes he noticed were red. Of course! Family... What other color are the monster's eyes going to be, brother? If the monster came in, he had chartreuse eyes. He was this like... <laughs> sky blue, baby blue, beautiful eyes. It was so beautiful. Oh, man. That's not really frightening. No. 
His family was upstairs sleeping soundly. He didn't know why they didn't hear the screams and come to investigate. Okay, wait. Time out. I thought he was by himself, but I guess I was wrong. But yeah, why wouldn't they hear this? Especially if it was like rattling the glass. Yeah, this thing's been been screaming for a while, too. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Heavy sleepers, I guess. Very heavy sleepers, yeah. He sat in the front room all night holding his rifle, waiting for the creature to find a way to get in. As the sun started to come up, he realized he didn't hear anything else. All was quiet. He waited until the sun was up and he went out with his rifle in hand to investigate. On the porch, he found pieces of the screens that had been ripped from his windows. His guitar was found unharmed, but had a slimy substance on it as if the creature had picked it up and laid it aside. Upon further investigation, he saw hoofprints where the creature had entered his yard. The hoofprints led up to the deer that had once been hanging from the tree. The wash tub was later found deep in the woods, licked clean. I guess they're making that assumption it was licked clean. I'm, I suppose so, but apparently it took the guts. You like the guts, man. Hey. I mean, it used every part of the animal. Yep. The pen where his dogs had been kept had been ripped apart from the top. He found where the animals had dug under on the opposite side, barely making their escape from certain death. He feels the smell of the deer and the tub of guts may have led the creature to his home. The dogs must have sensed the danger as they saw it come up and take the deer. They began their dig and barely reached safety before it reached them. Jeez. The creature might have made more of an effort to reach the men and animals had it not already eaten the deer. Oh, well, sure, yeah. This man still lives in his home. His children are grown and have since left, although that night stays in his mind. He has not seen the creature, now known as the White Screamer, again. But yet he still lives there. Still lives there. And after all is, that, after all that, he still lives there. Like, he, he still lives there, and this is obviously not the first time he's killed a deer, so, like, does the, does the creature not live in that area? Because this was apparently the first and only time he made an appearance. Although the hunter, I'm sure, has had many a deer hanging yep. up, you know? Yeah, well, at least for the next few months, I would have, like, you know, the movie Predator, when they got together and they booby-trapped the entire forest and were hiding in, oh, hi- yeah. hiding in a hole, I'd have tripwires in every tree and every, you know, mm-hmm. you know, every inch of the ground for the next, you know, 50 to 100 yards. For I, a while, for sure. For yeah. a while, sure. Absolutely. If this mm-hmm. was a true thing, first thing I would do is I would not keep them there if my family was there. You know, all joking yeah. aside, if something attacked your cabin with claws and stuff like this and it's huge and it's dangerous the last thing i do is keep my family there hello that's just well, it'd be easier just to to go a few hundred yards away and build your own little uh butcher shed and just keep everything there i suppose yeah just go a couple hundred yards away build a butcher shed Always kill your, you know, gut your <laughs> game there. And that way you're far away from your, your house. So you're not bringing any wild animals to your yeah. house. Yeah. Nuts. All right. Let's check out occurrence number two. The White Screamer Lives On. Sounds like the sequel. Starting out with another schmuck with a deer or what do we got? <laughs> Let's see. No, no schmuck and no deer this time. All right. Cool. Back in 1983, I used to go fishing every evening. My husband and I would load up with a bucket of minnow and crawdads and head off to Turnbull. We would park in the pasture and walk down to the water. We would always start at the same spot, and if the fish weren't biting, we would move on down. 
We were rather impatient, so we'd always find ourselves walking further and further down the creek. One evening, we had gone farther than we had ever gone before. We didn't realize how far we had gone and it was starting to get dark. I told him we should dump the minnows and head back. He said to hold on as he was getting a bite. I sat down and waited, and sure enough, he was getting a bite all right. The fish bit and ran with the hook, tangling the line in a tree that was hidden under the water. He decided to go in and see if he could untangle the line. I was getting restless, the dark was moving in on us. He told me to relax, we can just follow the water back to the truck. My husband is an excellent swimmer, so I didn't worry about him going into the water. He could hold his breath longer than anyone I had ever known. I sat and watched as he went under to find his line. He came back up for air and went under again. This time, he didn't come back up. Uh oh. I was starting to panic. As I got up to see if I could see him, he grabbed me from behind. He had swam under the water to a bend in the creek and then climbed out and snuck around behind me. I screamed and told him it wasn't funny. While laughing, he said, let's head back now. He dumped the bait and we gathered. And with that, the legend of the White Bluff Screamer and the creature of Werewolf Spring lives on. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it was, that was, that was a little bit of a comedy one, a little joke one, just bum, bum, bum. the wife screaming. But, yep. bum, but yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the legend of the White Bluff Screamer and the Werewolf of Borneo. Fantastical. You had me going there for a second. Yeah. Cause I thought they were going to take off, dump the minnows and head back. And he's like, bye. You know, cause you always have the, the comical jump scare. And then the minute they let their guard down, something really fucked up happens. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and somebody gets nailed. So classic horror cliche, you know? Well, then again, we never, we need to hear the rest of that story uh, about the part where the wife takes the fillet knife and slashes his throat and throws him in the river <laughs> and leaves him there and tells the cops, I, I don't know what happened. He, he went fishing. The white bluff screamer got him. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> again, yeah. again, com somebody committed murder and just blamed it on a, a legend. Again, that's it. That's it. Happens time you and time again. Dump them in a river full of critters, and they'll eat the body. And, hey, especially in those kind of areas. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, man. Well, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find us uh, and all that good stuff? You, of course, can find us on the uh, current major three platforms. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also, like I said, follow us on uh, patreon.com forward slash state of fear. We also have a T Public page. If you go to tpublic.com, search state of fear, we do have some merchandise there. And also, please remember if you have any stories you want to share with us, the state of fear hotline is 713 581 4551. We would love to hear your strange, creepy, or just plain baffling stories. So give us a buzz. Let us know. Yes. Please. And that's it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's get back in the car and head on to the next state and see what uh, creepiness we can find there. Let's do it, man. Let's get on down the road. What do you say? All right, guys. We'll see you all in the next state.
switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea.